Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles, and with me, as always, is Dr. Rob McDowell. Hello, Dr. McDowell. Good afternoon, Jared. Good afternoon. We are starting a new series on generative AI. We are calling it AI Applied. I'm really excited about this. This is our first series of the new year. We have officially done a podcast for a year. Yes. Which is incredible. It is. I don't have any statistics, but I would assume that most podcasts die before the one-year mark. Was Is that a claim that I could make without evidence? <laughs> well, you can make any claim you want to without evidence. That's, That's true. kind of how they go. That's so. true. The new year, new, I don't know, I just feel like it's great that we've we've come this far. So we want to talk about generative AI in this series, and this is our first episode, and typically what we do with our first episodes in a series like this we like to kind of set the stage and do definitions and such. So we're going to talk about some big head honcho generative AI companies. But we've already talked about JADGPT last year. But Rob, I want you to give a five-minute, and I'm going to set a timer. Don't leave time on the clock either. Five-minute definition of how chat GPT works. Definition, whatever you need for five minutes. Ready and go. So... ChatGPT is an AI language model, and uh, specifically it's developed by OpenAI. Its foundation is what's called machine learning at its core. It's basically a learning technique called deep learning, and it models a neural network much like our brain. So our brain neurons have all these encodings in them, and they cross one another, and they're connected. Not in the way that you and I would think through it structurally, like, oh, okay, like a filing system, but it's designed to process and generate like a human, okay? So that's the first piece is machine learning and, and how they've connected the data. Okay. Got that? Got it. The training process is really key. That's the next piece. So the training process, it's basically taking all this vast amount of data that they trained it on. So like the internet. Um, and they only used like 1% of the internet. Most people think that they used all of it, but they didn't. They only used like 1% to train ChatGPT. And that was books, websites, uh, articles, other written sources. And it basically showed the model examples of text and how it fit together so that it could then use those as a predictive pattern for how it should interact. Does that make sense? With you. Okay. So it gets better as time goes on because it doesn't, it doesn't know truth. That's the other thing. It has no truth grounding. Those that use it provide it. And I know that brings up issues for a lot of people like who's holding the truth. Uh, and that is true. And it's something we could talk about. But um, essentially, as you use it, it gets better because it can, you can then tell it, oh, I was being sarcastic. Very similar to how, you remember like Lieutenant Data from Star Trek? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, he couldn't understand humor. It's well, Commander Data, but you know. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's okay. That's right, it is Commander Data. Yeah. And so he couldn't understand humor, 
sarcasm, but then he started getting it, right? Well, the same way with these training processes, they can they can be programmed to start recognizing those things. Very difficult, by the way, because most of the time sarcasm comes across in tone. Yes. Not in what's actually said. That's correct. So, uh, but but it can be trained. Learning context and language patterns, that's the next big thing. Um, and it understands these. It understands, it can understand context. Uh, and it uses its transformer architecture to create these. Um, and then it generates the responses. And again, like I've said in previous times, it's just a matter of a regressive pattern to say, this is the next word. Two so minutes. It's going to be word by word. And then the big thing when it comes to ChatGPT, which is part of how they've created it to be, is they've started putting boundaries on it. So ethical limitations, things that it places it can go and places it can't go. Okay. So essentially they're censoring the machine. Hmm. Basically, if anybody mentions this word or... If you use, say, for instance, a Marvel character, or even you say, uh, make, say you want to make an image, right, uh, with Dolly 3, and you say, make me look like Iron Man from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Take my picture and put me in an Iron Man suit. It won't do it, probably, because it'll say, that's a registered trademark property of Marvel. Now, that's all come uh. most most recently, so... That is, again, it's still using the data that it has, and then it's being limited. The good news is that's kind of what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks is Mm -hmm. how we can use it, how we can train it, uh, because most recently OpenAI has released an API that allows you to make your own own assistance and your own models. Yeah. So As of recording this in November... End right. Of, end, end of November. So by the time this airs, who knows what's going to be available, but I do know their own models. You know, you'll be able to create your own model. Yeah. That's impressive. Well, you left 15 seconds on the clock. I'm sorry. Um, but it was fine. It was good. I failed you. And it's important to keep in mind that ChatGPT isn't the only dog in the fight. No, but it is the largest. It is by far the largest. And uh, we, we were talking about it earlier today. How the whole stink over uh, the Thanksgiving holiday was a whole chat GPT and open AI and firing their CEO and Microsoft saying, hey, well, come on over here. And then and then open AI was like, you know what? Let's bring him back. And <laughs> they then, fired almost and then, the entire board. <laughs> and then he came back and fired the entire board. So yeah. who knows what the landscape is going to look like between the time we record this and the time that we air it. So yeah. we're going to keep that in mind is. You know, we, as we share these, OpenAI is the top dog right now by far. But there are other, and I feel like ChatGPT is almost the um, the equivalent of instead of saying "give me a tissue," people say "give me a Kleenex." Like I feel like it, it's become the brand recognition of all generative AI. The people just say, "Oh, ChatGPT," but it could be anything. It's being oh, yeah. used, you know, stuff well, like that. And we've done that even in our office, right? Oh yeah. Ask somebody a question and. They give us an answer and we'll say, thank you, Ryan GPT. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. <laughs> but there are other other companies that are have these generative AI mm-hmm. uh, models. Like, for example, we have Google Bard. Right. Tell us about Google Bard. 
I'm going to be honest here and tell you, somebody asked me the other day, have you used Google Bard? And my answer to them was no. <laughs> no, I haven't. And then my, my question back to them is, why would I? Yeah, okay. I, it's true. I think, I think folks are using it, and maybe I've used it and I don't know, but it hasn't been something that I've gone and like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to use. Because nobody has caught up with OpenAI. Right. To that, my knowledge. And that's the other thing, like, they could be integrated into like any of these AI platforms. That's the first thing I think of whenever I see all of these um, companies and stuff advertising how they use AI and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always wondering, okay, well, what's on the back end of that? Because either they've created their own model or they're using OpenAI's model or they're using Google Bard or something like that. Or they're just using something completely different than generative AI. Right. Uh, because there's a lot of AI that's already out there. Sure. Amazon's been using it for probably at least the past seven, eight years. Yeah. yeah. Maybe longer, honestly. I mean, they've had it with Alexa. Alexa's not really what I would call generative AI. It's right. not. But a lot of what they do with logistics and offering things up to you in terms of what they want you to buy, mm-hmm. you know, all that's AI-based. And so it's just yeah. a different type. But there are other models like Claude AI that a lot of people don't know anything about. One that you might, you know, you might want to pay attention to. It's Anthropic Claude is the is the name. Mm-hmm. It was a break off of, I think, another developer who was in OpenAI originally, but he didn't like the way things were headed, and so, you know, I think a group of them started their own, and they're in version two now. The one that's interesting to me, and I think where things are going to head more so, especially as computing power gets higher, um, Apple's definitely pushing the boundaries with their chips and their new chipsets and the things that we can do. And we've seen that even in our own office. Yeah. Right. With some of the machines that we have. Right. You know, we've gone from having a video that takes us 45 minutes to basically author and, you know, compress or finalize Mm -hmm. on the computer and turn it into a video. That's gone from 45 minutes to like less than four minutes. I know. That just blows my mind. As someone who used to render those videos for 45 minutes, it makes me angry that I feel like <laughs> there's this new generation of video producers should they have, have to no suffer. Clue. They should have to suffer like I used to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Llama, and Llama is more, I'm not saying OpenAI is not open, because they do have their new models, like their Whisper model, which is their voice model, which we were playing around with this morning. Next episode, we're doing a, we're using it, and it is, it is terrifying. Awesome, but terrifying yeah. at the same time. Yeah. It had breathing. Yeah. It, it actually, uh, I, I don't, yeah. I don't want to spoil okay. it. Okay. No oh. more, no more. But Llama, Llama is open source, and we're seeing a lot of that. Um, there have been a couple of things that have used Llama, uh, and versions of Llama and made it available, um, to be, on your computer. So basically you could run your own generative AI on your computer. Now, obviously it's not going to be to the same level as say chat GPT, but they've been doing a lot of work and this has been open source stuff and people have been doing a lot of work on this and they've created, you know, if you're willing to try to set something up on your machine, yeah, it's not going to run as fast because it's going to be limited by how fast your machine is. And that's the other issue too you actually have to have something that has a significant amount of video memory. And so 
that's what a lot of people don't understand. It kind of goes hand in hand with um, if you're aware of Bitcoin or any of those cryptocurrencies. Yeah, blockchain. Blockchain. They all use essentially uh, graphics processing units. And so that's why NVIDIA's stock price is through the roof because they just keep delivering these. Because cities, and I know I'm going far afield, but I need, people need to understand, there are little towns out in the middle of nowhere who have created server farms yep. just for these things. Yeah. I mean, like in the middle of a field, you'll see a steel building and they'll just stuff it full of machines with these massive video cards in them. Yeah. And they are sucking so much power yeah. just to do this. And there are companies that are paying these little towns to do that. Right. And it's, it's kind of wild. It's insane. It's kind of crazy. I also had something else to say about Google Bard. Like you said, we haven't really spent much time using it because we've been blessed with OpenAI and ChatGPT. But I think Google Bard probably has a good amount of space in the K-12 education area where Google Apps for Education are used. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't, this is just me kind of postulating at this point, but I, I feel like it has some sort of footprint in that area because they're already using Google and Google Bard could be incorporated in there as well. And you mentioned Alexa with with, with Amazon. Um, you know, Google has, Google has had their Google Assistant there mm-hmm, right. running that for a while too, which is the equivalent of doing Alexa, but with much less ads, I found, <laughs> which I'm very thankful for. Um, but the big for thing- For now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> the big thing for me is when is Apple going to, I mean, Siri there for a while, like early on, Siri was the voice assistant to use. Oh yeah, but then it became very painful. It became yeah, it's but, still painful. But it used to be like it was good for parlor tricks. Like you could say, "Hey, I want you to say this," and it would ah, listen how funny this Siri response is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, they've fallen. I don't use Siri at all, and I use all Apple products. I haven't used Siri besides like turn off the lights in my house. That's yeah. the only thing I use Siri for. Yeah, or set an alarm on my phone. Yeah, it's a big question for Apple. I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're already way too far behind. But, I mean, there was a degree to which I thought the same when they introduced the iPhone. I thought, well, you're really way behind. But they kind of proved us wrong on that. Yeah. So I I don't know. We'll see. It'd have to be something They're going to have to come out with something soon because if they wait too too much longer, uh, I think, Microsoft will take advantage of this and they'll move on, which t- you know takes us back to that idea of ChatGPT inside of Microsoft. We had mentioned that earlier yeah. about how they had tried to get Sam Altman. They had hired him, yeah. but ultimately they wanted him back at the helm of, of, of ChatGPT, hmm. of OpenAI. Who, Microsoft? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They wanted, him, they wanted him back there yeah. um, because they already had almost 50%. They got a 49% investment stake inside of OpenAI. So that's not something that they would lightly take away, but man, they jumped on him in a heartbeat. And then they started recruiting. What changed the tune of everyone at OpenAI is when they started recruiting all of OpenAI's greatest workers. Yeah. And they were starting to leave. And all of a sudden... Sam Altman's back at the helm again. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, that was that was like that a was whirlwind. Fun. That was fun. But right, well, being AI. Yeah. 
but so but so Microsoft Bing is also using an AI, but like you said, it's just it's just Chat GPT. It's just GPT four inside of uh, Bing. Now, so. what's cool about Microsoft is, especially for enterprise and for schools like Cedarville, is that it protects our data. So your yeah. data doesn't go out. It's not, you know, somewhere where you don't want it to be. At least that's the hope. Um, that's what Microsoft has sold their business on and is security. You know, that's what they're selling and that's what so many are banking on. Um, and I think that's a fairly reasonable oh yeah, you know, choice to make. Sure. So I think for schools like Cedarville, other organizations, Enterprise, I think that's probably, we'll see a lot of that because there's already a lot of investment in Word documents, Excel documents, well, even Google Docs too. You you can feed all the data that you have yeah. into that and not have to worry about competitors or anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, getting it as long as your security and data protocols are where they should be. Right. Right. So I think they've got a really good corner on the market. And that's that's why I'm saying I, Apple's got to figure something out soon. Right. Because Google's not just messing with corporate data. They're also messing in the entertainment industry. It'll be interesting to see how that works out with like Adobe and, you know, Adobe and their work and what they're doing with generative AI. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, Apple used to be you you would beg for the new iPhone. Yeah. But now it's become like I only get a new iPhone when my current one breaks down. Right. It's or not, I don't need the new one because it's it's new. Yeah. Because it's, it's not it's really I mean, the only thing that's been really new about them is they keep upgrading the processors. Yeah. And they give you a new camera. If you yeah. get the the top end one, which I gotta say, the camera on it's pretty slick. Oh, it's incredible, yeah. But anyway, next steps. Yeah, back to next steps. All right, so I think the first thing I would like to be able to tell uh, our listeners is that if you've got ChatGPT Plus, that's great. But what you really need to pay attention to is the API. And you may be saying, "Well, what's that?" Well, it's what most other people are using. And a lot of different companies are using the API. So they're integrating their products through the API. And the cool thing is, is that if you go and you log in to ChatGPT or you log into openai.com, you'll get this screen that will pop up and it'll say, do you want ChatGPT, do you want chat, or do you want the API? Mm-hmm. And if you click on the API, you can set up for yourself an API of any of the models that they have, and then you can play with it. But what's cool is that you can create your own assistance. So people may be wondering, well, what's that? Well, that gets us to prompt engineering, and that's kind of our next step. So whether you do this in ChatGPT+, whether you do this in um, Microsoft Bing, or in the API, you need to learn how to put foundation underneath what you want to ask it to do. So before you even ask it whatever your question is, or before you get started on a project, you need to think about the kind of rails, if you will, you want this to live on. So you need to kind of design that by saying, you know, you're a helpful assistant in the Socratic methodology. Maybe you want to do something with a Socratic approach where you turn ChatGPT or you turn the uh, AI into 
a tool that asks you questions yeah. and tutors you. And so there, this is something that teachers should and could be doing even now. So we've joked about the Chris Miller bot, yeah. <laughs> right? But the reality is we can create one now. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I've already created one for us at CTL where I've taken all of our blog posts and created an assistant that's trained on those blog posts. And it's currently inside of Microsoft Teams. So nobody else can use it except for our office right now. But if we wanted to, we could open that up to faculty and faculty could ask questions like, hey, I'm getting ready to start my courses in the spring in Canvas. What do I do? And it will give you a list. And even at the end of that, it will tell you if you're still having issues, dial this number. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's the correct number and it's the correct, you know, instructions on how to get through on the phone system Yeah, to get help. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's super cool. And that took all of five minutes to set up. That's awesome. So you could set up tutors for any subject. Yeah. But it all stems, next step, it all stems back to... Make sure you take some time to tell it what you want it to do, what its limitations should be, how you want it to respond to you, in what manner you want it to respond, and kind of put limitations around it, right? right? Right. And that happens through your first post. And then one little hot tip um, that came out in a paper, and it's been a while ago, so I'm not sure if it still happens, but if you tell it to respond with... My best guess is. So you you actually tell it. Yeah. Start all of your responses with my best guess. Accuracy goes way up. Interesting. Yep. So those are the hot tips. Do you have a sample prompt? Uh, One that I have been using here recently is your Socratic teacher. And given your expertise... You're a 30-year veteran with a PhD in, let's say, I don't know, English. And you want to train your students on how to write a proper paragraph. You know, now I'm getting real specific, right? So the more specific you get with it, the better you are. And you're going to help this student by asking it for the steps, you know, whatever the steps you want it to follow. And once you tell it to do that and say, never provide an answer, always provide reflective questions that will lead to the answer. That is a very helpful way to use it with your students and yeah. for yourself. Oh, yeah. That's good. I like that. It's kind of like homework. We're trying to, we're trying to give our listeners homework. Kind yeah, of. kind of. Try like, it. Hey, go out and do this and then report back to us. Before well, our next class. Yeah, and if you come up with a, a, a some, you run into some cool ones. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people out there that are listing them on websites, YouTube, Reddit, you know, and even ChatGPT's got some really good lists of different types of we could create prompts. We could create one of those hyperdocs and have people constantly be adding and editing I think stuff should, to a document. I think we should. I think we should do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. Well, that's going to do it for our first episode talking about generative ai thank you so much for listening if you have any questions or comments please email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu be sure to like and subscribe all of our favorite podcast platforms be sure to check out our coffee drops that randomly drop throughout the week 
and thanks for listening.